My feet feel heavy as I walk up the stairs. Weighed down by gravity, yes, but also by the gravity of the moment. In the distance, I know they are waiting for me. Still, I am tired. Not surprising looking back on the last few weeks. The phone calls were made, hands were shaken, flyers were mailed, the occasional baby may have been kissed, my knuckles are sore from the knocks on the doors, and my face is tired. For I have been practicing to make sure I have just the right smile ready, the appropriate amount of teeth for the cameras. All but the most out there candidates enter their race believing they can win, but knowing they could lose. Now I know the results, and so do they. I, Tom Bullock, am officially, not really, running for mayor of Charlotte. So did I win my primary race? People, I'm running a fake campaign here. Of course I did, and the crowd goes wild. Oh, come on, pretend people. We can do better than that. Let's hear it. Strike up the band. This is a victorious candidate me. Episode 6, The Waiting. Did I draw that out enough for you? We collectively are about to get a chance at payback for all those flyers and phone calls and inconveniently timed knocks on the door. This payback, this political schadenfreude, has a name. Primary Day. Tuesday, September 12th is a true make-or-break day for candidates and campaigns. For Tuesday, September 12th is the primary election, the moment when the candidate heard is cold. For voters, the day is pretty much a normal day. And given the expected low turnout, very much a normal day. But for those who do vote, the process is simple and should be pretty quick. If you're registered in a political party, just go to your precinct and they'll give you a ballot. Check the boxes on the handy-dandy voting machine and you're done. Plus, you get one of those very attractive I Voted stickers to boot. If you're a registered independent, then you get to pick which party's ballot you'll vote. A few minutes later, you too get to sport that sticker. Then we all get on with our day. No sweat, no drama. A stark contrast with how candidates and campaign staff spend the day. For them, primary day is hell. Why? The wait. Now, this episode of Candidate Me will still be fresh off the podcast press when September 12th comes around, and we don't want to be accused of engineering any September surprises. So we're focusing on a single debate and the people candidates hire to get them past this point and beyond. Yep, these two guys. Hi. Hey! Oh, sure, they sound chipper now. Democrat Dan McCorkle and Republican Larry Shaheen are, of course, our political strategists who work with those real campaigns. They also make up our completely biased political panel. For them, primary day is, in a word... It's agony. It's agony is a good one. Agony. Fear. Well, the thing is, is that here's, here's what you're about. You are about to either be proven correct in your strategy or you're about to be proven wrong, which in our business, being proven wrong means you lose. 
And there's no. And we get all the credit for that. Yeah. Like we spread out, we oh. spread out to win. It's a win Everybody for the team. Gets a win. If, it's if a we loss, lose, believe me, it is blame. us. Oh yeah. Keeping with our theme this episode. For more on that, you'll have to wait, but not too long. First, though, I wanted to focus on the actual candidates running for mayor. They met this week, and it was something. The final debate before any election is always the most contentious, the most pointed. Some would say the most fun. They're kind of like minor league hockey games. Sure, we say we watch to see who scores the most political points, but really, we're most excited by the fights. All right, enough with the prologue. This is WBTV. Let's get on with the show. Campaign 2017 mayoral debate. We're still in primary phase, so the three main Democrats, Mayor Jennifer Roberts, Mayor Pro Tem Vile Isles, and State Senator Joel Ford, were the first to take the stage. They would debate each other. Kenny Smith, the only Republican to qualify for the debate, would, well, we'll get to that. But on the Democratic side, there was strategy aplenty for those who knew what to look for. Mayor Jennifer Roberts enters the night as the presumed frontrunner in what is expected to be a tight primary race. Her main job is to defend her record, show a vision for the future, and withstand a wave of criticism. That wave would come from challengers Vi Lyles and Joel Ford. It's part of a one-two strategy in a debate like this. The challengers need to show they are connected to the average charlatan, and they need to knock the incumbent with some well-placed attack lines. All this was on display when Jim Morrill of the Charlotte Observer asked the first question. Uh, we're almost at the one-year anniversary of the killing of Keith Lamont Scott. The protests that followed underscored some of the city's underlying social problems. How do you think the city and its leaders have responded in addressing those challenges? Mayor Pro Tem Vi Lyles answered first. Well, I was there when the protest started. I was in Marshall Park and then I went to the government center where I saw the national media converge on us. And there's the connection. But then came something unusual for Lyles. She has run a pretty unconfrontational campaign. Lyles has decades of experience in city government, and she's running as something of a technocrat, focusing more on policy than scoring political points. But on Wednesday night, she threw a bit of an elbow. I believe that we've got to work harder and move towards action. We haven't had the leadership that would help us do that, and that's why I'm running for mayor. Joel Ford's campaign is a bit more deft at the political knock. They have to be. Jennifer Roberts and Vi Lyles have already been elected citywide. As a state senator, Joel Ford is best known in his political district, just a chunk of the city. His big pitch to voters is that he's the only Democrat who can rebuild Charlotte's relationship with state lawmakers in Raleigh. Here is how Ford started his answer about the looming one-year anniversary. One of the motivating factors for me in seeking the office of mayor for the city of Charlotte was the Keith Lamont Scott shooting and the way that the mayor and the city council handled the aftermath of that shooting. And here is his sharp political elbow. The last thing we can afford to do is to have the mayor call out the police chief and roll him under the bus. What we need in this city is strong leadership. That's a reference to Robert's criticism of CMPD in a column for the Charlotte Observer. There, she said there was a lack of transparency and communication on the investigation of the killing of Keith Lamont Scott and in the releasing of police video. It's an attack line the mayor has heard a lot this campaign. So 
she fired back. Well, I have to say that Joel Ford's characterization of my uh, relationship with the police chief is about as fictional as his crime-fighting plan. But Roberts and Ford were just getting started. Here's Ford. What we need less of is political talk. We need for the mayor and the city council to actually lead, be responsive to the citizens of the city of Charlotte so that we can heal this community and move forward together. Unfortunately, we cannot do that under this old failed leadership. And here's Roberts. I think Joel Ford's baseless personal attacks show that his campaign is desperate. And I have to say the people of Charlotte expect that from Donald Trump. They don't expect baseless personal attacks from the next mayor of Charlotte. This, by the way, was on an issue they actually agree on. There was some policy points to go along with the political barbs. There's one question in particular to focus on, not just for content, but because it really does show the platform of these Democratic mayoral candidates. Here's WBTV's Jamie Bull, who co-moderated the debate. Would you consider, as mayor, asking for a tax increase for any of these? More police officers, affordable housing, for mass transit, for road improvements. Mayor Pro Tem Lyles, would you consider a tax increase for any of those? I would say that the most important thing that we have to have is a safe community. And when we look at our police officers, are they making enough money to stay with us? Do we have the right number of staff? So when we have to prioritize that, that's probably the one place that taxes have to go. But for the remainder, I think that's something that the people of the community mm -hmm. have to decide. Senator Ford. I can go ahead and answer the question is no to all of the above. I believe that par, uh, public safety is a priority, but I think that there are opportunities within the city's budget for us to prioritize those basic needs for the city of Charlotte. In this economy, as people are still recovering, there is absolutely no need to raise taxes. Mayor Roberts. I reject the premise of the question because we're looking at just a small part of a budget. There are many things that could happen between now and then in terms of storms, in terms of economic disaster, and to have uh, our hands tied by answering a question and saying yes or no to taxes is not realistic. So I do have to say Jennifer Roberts' answer was a bit odd. Clearly, she doesn't want to get into a read-my-lips-no-new-taxes kind of situation. But still, it's a strange thing to reject a fair question about something like tax policy. But hey, we'll see what happens. As for Kenny Smith, the lone Republican to qualify for the debate, he sat alone on the stage to field questions. This was the political equivalent of practicing your tennis stroke with a ball machine. But that doesn't mean Smith was returning lobs. When asked if state lawmakers overreached when they passed HB2, here is how Smith responded. When we passed the ordinance with the bathrooms included, that gave Raleigh the opportunity to come in and some would say overreach. It was about bathrooms. They had the votes to pass it without the bathrooms and the mayor and the mayor pro tem simply chose, chose not to. Not wanting to wait for primary results, we asked our favorite political hacks, Dan McCorkle and Larry Shaheen, to muss their perfectly coiffed hair and put on their pundit prediction caps for the mayoral primaries. And remember, a primary candidate needs to win 40% of the vote in order to avoid a runoff election. Now, on with their show. Primary is on the 12th. What do we think we're going to see in terms of turnout? Larry? 2% in the Republican primary. Why so low? Primarily because there hasn't been anything. 
Um, you you got to think about what happens at the national level. Billions of dollars is spent turning out voters, and that turnout sometimes doesn't even go above 70%. The reason that there's advertising in elections is to inform voters of an election date and when to go vote. That's literally the whole key prime premise of spending money in elections is to inform voters about your candidate, tell them when to go vote and where to go vote. Because Kenny Smith has not had a terribly difficult primary, he I know what he's been doing. He's been doing a lot of phone calls because he uses the same vendor I use for, for a lot of the stuff that I do. Um, he's got a lot of phone calls. He's got a lot of um, social media, but he's not doing television. He's not doing direct mail. He's pushing folks to the polls. But that is not going to generate enough turnout for Republicans. And let me just say, for people who don't remember, Kenny Smith is a Republican running for Charlotte mayor. That's He's right. the, the front runner. All right. So you're betting 2% turnout. 2 to 3%. Democrat, for Republicans. For we're, Republicans. We're a little bit different. We have a lot of active uh, primaries, actually, in districts and a mayor's race with some well-funded candidates. Yeah, to I say the least. I don't think it's going to break any kind of record. I think it'll be somewhere between the 2013 turnout and the 2015 turnout, so somewhere between 6 to 9%, which is rather remarkable, thinking that 91 to 93% of our Democrats are not going to be voting in the primary to decide, you know, the— to decide a lot of seats and who our mayor nominee is, who will probably then be the mayor, if history judges correctly. <laughs> I would say just my predictions this election will be 70 percent will vote on September 12th. So maybe 30 percent will vote early in the Democratic primary. Could be and wrong. That's, to qualify this, that's 70 percent of the overall turnout that you're exactly. talking about, which is still exactly. in the like, mid-single digits. Mid, mid to possibly upper single digits. So the big race, the big thing that everybody's going to be looking mayor's for race. is the mayor's race. And I don't think Kenny Smith, I think it's fair to say, has a serious challenger. The odds of him hitting nope. that 40% so Any he doesn't old. need a runoff, it's going to happen. Yeah. But the Democrats, mm-hmm. that's interesting. You've got five in total. Mm-hmm. You've got three top tier. They being State Senator Joel Ford, Mayor Pro Tem Vi Lyles, and current Mayor Jennifer Roberts, along with Lucille Puckett and Constance Party Johnson. They round out the field. Right. I think it's fair to say the last two can be judged as long shot candidates. The first three, though, the question is, are we going to see a runoff and who is going to be the overall vote getter? Uh, you want me per, to go first so you don't piss people off? No, me? I don't care, Larry. Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I still think Jennifer has the tactical institutional advantages right now. Being a Democrat on the ballot since the year 2004 and being successful in every race she has run except for Congress in the ninth, which was a long shot to begin with in 2012. She made it close, though. Democrats are used to voting for Jennifer Roberts. So you're still thinking that Jennifer Roberts gets the most votes. She's very close to 40%. But does she hit it? Or is there a runoff? That's the magic question. Uh, Runoff is an entirely different animal. Say it's a runoff between Jennifer Roberts and Vi Lyles. Boy, that's totally up in the air. Jennifer wins, uh, gets over 40%. She's actually pretty much set, set to go for November. Uh, it's very close. She desperately needs to get that 40% because in a runoff, anything can happen. A runoff can be sometimes, I've seen a 1.9% runoff turnout before, 3%, very low. It actually ginned up to about 8 or 9% in uh, 2015. And that's when she went against then-Mayor Claude, Dan, yeah, Dan, Dan Clodfelter. So right. that was a very interesting. He had almost as many people voting in a runoff as the uh, uh, main primary election. But that's extremely rare. 
normally a runoff is, is much less, uh, and it's, it's true doomsday activist Democrats. A doomsday Democrat is a Democrat will vote on doomsday. I mean, it's a very small number, like less than 10,000 folks could vote in that runoff. Hmm. Uh, so Jennifer's best hope is to get to 40%. She's got the tools to do it. Let's see how if Vi Lyle's is surging right now. All right, so that's a Democratic take. What's the Republican take, Larry? I don't disagree with him. I think I'm probably a little more bullish on Jennifer's chances because when you look at the actual theory and structure of political campaigns and you're talking about the people running them, and I'm not saying this because I think that the people running Joel's campaign or the people running Vi's campaign are any, um, any less competent. But I have to give Jennifer Roberts' campaign an immense amount of credit. And this is where, for me, this is, this, is, this is the structure of the race. We talk about three different types of races. There's structural, there's personality-based races, and there's issue-based races. This is a structural race. The people who vote voted for Jennifer before, not just once but twice and three times. Tell me what she's done that is legitimately something they didn't want her to do. Your wait for that political schadenfreude is nearly over. That's coming up next on Candidate Me. And now, what you've been, yes, waiting for. That political schadenfreude, our chance to get some payback for all those calls and dinnertime knocks on our doors. Here's how Democrat Dan and Republican Larry, our political strategists, experience primary day. Dan speaks first. Terrifying day. It's, I'm sure for you guys it is, but... Terrifying, more apprehensive. I've well, seen you, Larry Shaheen, yeah, on election nights, and you, my was, friend— That one was close. You, my friend, one, are was, not a happy camper. Dan, I was I'm not sure happy I, that I can say the same thing if I no, saw you on well, election here, night. Here's the thing that's very strange about me. First thing, nobody in the campaign talks about a victory party. We do not talk about it. It's bad luck to me. Don't even tell me if you have one. Tell it's me the Macbeth afterwards. of politics. You do not talk to me about that. You don't plan for it. Fine. Uh, but what happens to me is is it gets to be around 5 o'clock. You start to get really nervous because everything's in place. You're just waiting out the clock. 7.30 comes around. I've got to go to a parking lot by myself with either a laptop or a phone and wait for early voting to come in. Mm-hmm. There's almost agonizing 15 to 20 wait. minutes. It's the worst wait. Between 7.30 and 8, waiting for Ugh. early. Because you just you think you know, but you don't know. Until you see that first data, you're like literally on pins and needles. And then when the first data comes in, you can process it. Okay, here's what needs to happen. Here's what's going to Here's how this looks. Campaign strategists pour over all that data, read it like tea leaves, hope and guess and pull their hair out for every vote they see appear in the other team's column, especially the first numbers that come in, the early voting totals. On the Democratic side, in all the years we've had early voting, only two instances is someone been behind in early voting and actually won. Huh. It's just basically on the Democratic side, it's a microcosm of yeah. who's voting. Early voting is like a great big poll. It's, it's different in the November election. You can see all kind of interesting things going on there because Republicans vote heavier on election day. I did participate, and actually it's funny. I did participate in one of the craziest early voting swings in, in Mecklenburg County. 2012, John Anarillo, Jeff Hart. 
Senate primary. Oh, yes. John Anarella had Jeff Tart beat, and because John Anarella just worked early voting better, we that was not our focus. Our focus was election day because all our election day voters we were turning out new people. We lost the election day early vote by like four hundred votes, I think. Turned around one election day by seven hundred votes to win by three hundred twenty-seven votes. Runoff, same thing. They won early voting by a couple hundred votes. We won election day by more. The, the, the thing about it is that in Mecklenburg County, nothing comes in at the same time. The northern precincts and the southern precincts. They have to be driven. They have to be driven, driven down to the Board, to the board of Elections. All right, I'm going to stop you How both. How 1890s is that? I, it is. And I'm <laughs> going to stop you both there because you have just answered what is a perennial question for me since I've been covering elections in Mecklenburg County. It doesn't matter whether it's state or whether it's local, whatever it is. Mecklenburg County is always mm-hmm. the last, if not one of the last counties to report in. Is this? There's two reasons. Is no, this part of the reason? Precincts There's two wrong. reasons. 195 precincts. Sure, but Wake is not. Wake yeah, moves but, really quickly. But here's the thing: the lines. The lines do matter. If you're in line by 7:30 to vote, you get to vote, which means that sometimes you're not done till 9:30, which means sometimes you're not done calculating until 10. Then you take the 45 and minutes to drive down to the board of elections. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why it takes so long. We have precincts with 10,000 voters in them. Sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, university. Know, is, university and 145 Hickory. Grove, uh, uh, Community House, 148. Six, Those are massive. Seven, 7, Those are bigger than whole yeah. counties. Yeah. And then you have one like mine that only has 1,800 voters in it. So mm-hmm. it's a discrepancy. The ones closer to town normally come in first, like Elizabeth. All the Myers Dilworth. Park ones. Yeah. Those all will come, come in, in first. first. The last ones that come in are a lot of the ones in Beatty's Ford Corridor. And up so north. as a Democrat, it's you're always ready for the ones in Cornelius. McCrory, Wise to tend to come in or something like that, or 145 Hickory Grove. Uh, that with the John Powell, Smudgy Mitchell race, 145 yeah, was the last precinct out. And so you're waiting for that one precinct to come in to decide a city council race. So that that was some actually good stuff. Well, and the, the funny part was is that you'll sit there and I'll be with North Mech people and I'll and they'll be like, have the, have the have the results come in? I'm like, I'm not clicking refresh until at least nine thirty because gosh knows it's not they're oh, not coming God, in. I'm like yeah. every every. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm checking other things. I'm not looking at your res- like well, when I'm sitting in the car well, at seven thirty. And, and, and the best feeling in the world because I look every Republican and this is this is not a secret. Every Republican was freaking out. On November in 2016, all of us were. We're all like, we're all dead. We're all going down. The whole ship's done. We love Trump, but we don't like what it's you doing. Love Trump. Da 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 da. No, that. <laughs> At the end of the day, when the early votes came back, and there were like, like I think in Mecklenburg County, you had two Republicans who were down in early vote. It was Scott Stone, You're down by a couple of votes, and, which was dramatic, and, and Rob Bryan, mm-hmm. right? Who were down? Right, right. Andy Doolin was close. Mm-hmm. But Jeff Tart, John Bradford, Bill Brawley, they all were, Dan Bishop, all were big. And we're all looking at each other like, that's not what we expected. All right, let's 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 get back to this particular race, although that is fascinating. Um, I want to point out, again, we're talking September 12th, primary. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think, oh, that's fine. I'll start paying attention to it after September 12th. But here's the thing. Every race except the mayors will be determined by September 12th. Uh, potentially, without a doubt. I want to focus on three Charlotte races in particular for the sole reason that that is actually a definable fact. Like you could have, you know, a Republican randomly win in a, in a supposed Democratic district or vice versa. That could conceivably happen. But there are three districts where everything will be decided mm-hmm. on the 12th. That is the 1st District, the 4th District, and the fifth district, all of these are heavily Democratic districts. All of these only have Democrats mm-hmm. running to fill those seats. So 
And I know one of these districts is somebody that you work with, Dan. Oh, you, uh, oh, Councilman yeah, Phipps. You've got Phipps. I've actually got a connection all three of those. If you think about it, because Dimple Ajmer is representing five right now. Yes, but she's running at large. Yeah, right. So she is not actually rate running one. for that seat. Yeah. Huh. When it comes down to the September 12th primary, how many votes do we actually think are, are, are going to happen in these places, oh, roughly? Right. Four to six? They, these people total? can, yeah, uh, I think yeah. Uh, right. these people could win a seat with 900 to 1,000 votes. That's it. They can win a for district. A seat on the no, they, they, no, 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 no. They've got runoffs for district seats. No, you can still you can get forty percent. Uh, district five is historically low turnout. You could literally win a district. If there's four hundred voters, what's forty four thousand voters, which will probably be what it is? What's forty percent of four thousand? Yeah, about eighteen hundred votes. Yeah, that's the that's your number. <laughs> that's your number. You could win with eighteen hundred votes. Greg won in two thousand and thirteen. Uh, he got about fourteen hundred votes in the first, and he got thirty in the first primary. Greg Phipps runoff. did. He got thirty nine point nine seven percent of the vote. He's one vote short of forty percent. So we had to go to <laughs> oh, a runoff. That That's one so person, one freaking person. So going back then, Dan, was that a mail in ballot issue? Should you guys have worked it a little harder? <laughs> I don't. I, I, I will wake up at three in the morning and think about that. I mean, what the heck? That's like one missed handshake. That's one yeah. household that didn't open their mail or it didn't get delivered. That is one phone call missed. It's just nonsensical. And of course, Greg Phipps is going, don't they round up? I said, no, it's 39.97%. One person, one vote. Nice. So then we went to yes. the place where they actually canvassed the voting about seven days later. They actually look at all the balance, and actually we lost another vote, so we actually lost about two votes. Ooh, okay. But you were hoping during the canvas we would pick up a vote and be exactly at 40%, but didn't happen. But it shows you the importance of one freaking vote. And that's it for this primary week edition of Candidate Me. Now, a heads up, we're going to take a few weeks off, this time by design. Like real campaigns, we're going to regroup and reload with some really cool stuff. I am going to learn the dark art of making political ads and make some for Candidate Me. We'll tell you the whole story, promise. Add in some profiles of actual candidates, debate and debate prep, social media, and on and on. And honestly, I still need to recover from our fake victory party. It was one for the imaginary record books, if you know what I'm saying. So the next episode will not be out until September 29th, but then we will be back. In the meantime, as always, we love to hear from you. Just go to WFAE.org and search for Candidate Me, and you'll see the gray question box. Until then, I'm Tom Bullock, and this is Candidate Me. Candidate Me.